Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. We are the Dadly Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hampler and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Mm. Where we do, do daily wrestling podcasts <laughs> where we not only review <laughs> AW Dynamite, but also AW Collision, uh, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pet reviews, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. Very good quiz, of course, on WrestleCoach. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's Dynamite, the go home show ahead of Revolution Sage. Yeah, I enjoyed this a great deal. And I don't want to sound like Hamlet or anything, but. This was almost better for a lack of great bell-to-bell action because I was most energized mm-hmm. and optimistic about the great wrestling that's going to happen inevitably at AEW Revolution because I'm now more emotionally invested in the match I was really most emotionally invested in. Mm-hmm. There was some positive character development. Got a really good explanation for a match that was quite thin on that front. Um, no, happy AEW fan here. We're not all the way back, back. Crowd mm-hmm. kind of sucked ass. <laughs> uh, you could see um, the upper bowl not being full at all. Mm. Like, there's no darkness there. Did they forget to switch a few lights off? <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit bleak. But uh, I, it's not going to be back, back until the atmosphere and the punters come back. But... The details are back. Mm. The storytelling flares back. Oh, there was one moment in this show where I was like, only in retrospect, I was like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That is really good. Yeah, to borrow from an iconic promo, I would say that, like, greatness echoes greatness. I completely agree. It's weird, right? Everybody keeps talking about the feeling being back. Mm. I disagree. It isn't. However, I feel good about AEW. Yeah. I was saying this this morning, like, there's nothing really... Uh, maybe Dastinger on, like, rappelling down from the scene at the end. Not a lot's making me, like, clench my fist with excitement or AEW. You have to be but, dead inside yeah. to not go crazy at that moment. But all the time, I'm having that, yeah, nice. Like, all the time in AEW at the moment, or, like, almost everything is giving me that, oh, yeah, good fun. Like, it's, it's just, it's a nice feeling. I'm like, ruffle. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything's hair. But like, it's good. When you're yeah. hair ruffling, you're rewarding good work. And there's lots of good it's work. It's not a dog. Otherwise, I wouldn't watch it all. But, like, it's (laughs) just good to see lots and lots of good work because the power doesn't come back overnight. Mm. Like, it does take a lot of time historically in wrestling for this to happen. And I just think 
where it's what you can use is clean lines of years passing and 2023 already feels ages in the rear view and it's only March. Like 2024. It's almost, February. Oh, is it? Oh, it's still February, isn't it? Like, yeah. Special day today. 29th. Yeah, just good, good feeling about it. Bless it. Good feeling about old AEW. Little engine that could. You know what today is, don't you? What's that? It's the uh, four-year anniversary of Revolution 2020. Two-day? Well, it was on a leap year, wasn't it? Ah. February 29th, 2020. Really that day? I didn't even realise. I was at the 1975 with Adam Nicholas right there. Last yeah. gig before the shutdown. It's having the time in of my life a- as well. In Aberdeen. It was. God, was, okay, I you know, I have a bloody clue looking back at me back then. What was coming? Saw a picture. Saw a picture. We kind of did have an indication. Yeah. yeah. So I remember the day after was like, some of these news stories don't sound great. There's a picture in the newspaper that at we all? were laughing at that day of uh, a couple that had been on a cruise where they'd all been asked to wear masks and it was like such a big shock. Yeah. Masks? What are you talking about? It's a cold. And it's like, oh, it's getting pretty serious. But they'd had to hold them on the entire time when they had masks. Some burnt faces with masks. Like had other. I don't want to talk about this. I went to watch. Uh, had other places already started to like shut down or whatever. Yeah, we were yeah. proper arrogant and late to it. Because yeah. I, I only just would have only just got back from the honeymoon, and it was already starting to be like, ooh, you know. When we went away, when we did, that was already cutting it a little bit fine and what have you. And I remember going to. I watched. Went to watch Burnley versus Newcastle. This was before Newcastle's transformation because uh, a mate came up and his missus is a massive Burnley fan, and I was like. One of the worst games of football I've ever been to. I don't think I want to go to football for the next few months or whatever off the back of that. Little did I know off the back of that what was what was coming our way. But yeah, what the Revolution 2020, what a show that was. Uh, that's the feeling, goddammit. Well, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that, actually, because I want to talk big picture stuff about Revolution a little bit later on. Maybe when we get talking about the new match that has been uh, changed, added, whatever you want to talk, say. Um, and the, the fact that the build to this has been just actually one of the best they've done in a long time. But we'll get to that in due course. Uh, let's start, though, with uh, Hangman Adam Page. He comes out to start at Dynamite. He's limping out there. He's got a crutch, and everyone's thinking the worst. It was one of those weird ones. We, we talked about this, Sidge, in the office. One of those weird ones where I know his ankle's not buggered because it's been reported and then counter-reported, and then... No, Jerry Lynn blew it. Yeah. But... We were sort of aware of potentially Hangman Page having a personal issue, and I'm glad that it, it, it hasn't come to this, but a personal issue that may take him out of the pay-per-view. So maybe they are just saying, no, we're going to stick with the, with the injury. So you sort of were still brought in by this uh, opening to the show. He's cheered by the crowd. He says that when AEW started, it was an opportunity to make the most out of expectations that laid in front of him. And he did that, he believes, uh, winning the world title in 2021. Um, he said, you know, when it became a triple threat for the world title at uh, Revolution 2024, that was BS, uh, and he meant it. It should have been a singles match, um, but he didn't realize that that would mean it was going to be him that misses out. He's going to be unable to compete on Sunday. Uh, the crowd very unhappy about this, of course, and obviously Swerve Strickland immediately comes out to sympathize slash completely gloat alongside Prince Nana. Um Strickland says, over the last six months, he and Paige have been at war, and both of them probably crossed the line, but uh, he never wanted this to happen. Uh, but he also said, the funny thing about fate is you can't escape it, and you can 
kind of say the same thing about my destiny, winning the AEW world title on Sunday. And Samoa Joe comes out and basically says, you two are arguing between the two of you about who's going to win on Sunday. and You've kind of forgotten about me. It's time to sell some truths, he said. Uh, you've been staring daggers at each other for weeks uh, until you realize who the real man is, and that's the AEW world champion. He called Paige Hopalong, and he said, both you and Strickland are hungry, accomplished wrestlers, but you're only hungry because I'm starving your ass. Uh, um, wrestlers need to stop talking stop. about this. Stop talking about food challenge impossible. Like they're also <laughs> bloody starving. They're starving, aren't they? It's got catering out there. That's a good spread. In fact, if it's an AEW, I'm fairly certain <laughs> that spread is great. <laughs> uh, but he said, if it's one or both of you, uh, come revolution, I'm whipping your ass. Um, Strickland said, look, I went from a cruiserweight and unemployed to main eventing pay-per-views. I've done anything necessary to get to where I am. I broke into a wrestling school to bloody up an 18-year-old kid. I trespassed into another man's home and threatened his child. Uh, I'm a career maker and changer, and I'll send you back to commentary wearing a poncho again, Joe. Good. Um, He said, I'm on the verge of making history. And he turns to the crowd, whose house? Um, but before he can go any further, Hangman Page nails him with the crutch from behind. He's fine, um, and he screams at Strickland. He's never going to let him become AEW World Champion. Page storms to the back, and Strickland sort of gets up with the help from Nana going, what the bloody hell's just happened? Very, very mixed on this, if I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, and I don't quite know where to start. There was an element of reading each other's Wikipedia pages at one another. So it wasn't really... no. So it was a bit like, oh, I hate that when they do it in WWE. I'm aware of this information. Mm. You've delivered it with conviction, but I, I know this information. So that was annoying. Samoa Joe, whose facial expressions, especially at the poncho line, were mm. unbelievable as ever. Him talking about hungry, accomplished wrestlers, and I'm going to starve you. It's like, well, just have something to eat before the show <laughs> starts. It has become such a horrible cliche in wrestling. Like, I don't know. I just cringe inwardly every single time I hear one of them talking about being hungry. And it's because I would like to think that these incredible wrestlers who are awesome at their craft are like hacks because they all say it. Remember Brett and Jim Neidhart? We're going to get hungry. We're going to forget our manners. It's been kicked around for ages. And it's obviously just at some point somebody thought, bring that back. Adam Copeland. use it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. They're all, Adam Copeland needs to get himself... (laughs) Get himself some cake or something. Jesus <laughs> he Christ. came back so ripped because he was starving. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't like that. I also didn't... Right. What was Hangman Page going to do if Swerve hadn't come out? Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, um, I guess my other match then. Yeah, all right. That... <laughs> I am now... <laughs> Throws the crush away. <laughs> Got yeah. I can... And maybe I'm reaching, bro. But you can potentially... Adequately explain it is there was not a chance in hell that Swerve would not have come out yes. and gloated because this story is themed completely now on just pure obsession at the expense of their own like stated goals. Mm. They're saying one thing, I want the title, I want the title. And I know Paige isn't, but Swerve is almost equally as obsessed with Hangman. So I can just about justify that Paige was 100% certain that Swerve would come out and you'd be able to enact his big plan. It was still very much reliant on contrivance and it didn't seem particularly necessary. We were talking about this um, in the office this morning and Murray pointed out 
that Hangman Page could have simply have attacked Hangman Page. Uh, mm. Hangman Page could have attacked Swerve backstage, yeah. as is the course in virtually every episode of weekly television you've ever seen. In addition, I promise I'll get a, a, one reason why I really like this. I like the idea of Hangman Page cutting the promo going, I know, because I agree, but I think Swerve was always going to, that character that he is, is always going to come out. But yeah, Swerve's a little bit late, and he's like, uh, yeah, so I can't be in the world title match. Really sad that uh, I'm going to be missing the, the world title. Pretty uh, pretty good time to gloat if you were in the world title match. Like Ricky Gervais at that like, live air thing. Yeah. Oh, you want me to do the dance, don't you? <laughs> 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 Sorry, you were going to say it. Yeah, I was going to say, if I was rudely interrupted, uh, <laughs> there, that you know how in a match a wrestler will take like ungodly levels of punishment and the rhythm of a match particularly in this modern era, dictates that they have to kind of get up quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Not that quickly, but, you know, yeah. get, up, get on with it. Get on <laughs> with it. The rule, like, wrestling's stupid, I'm telling you this. Wrestling <laughs> sucks. It's so dumb that... It's his next book. Wrestling, <laughs> wrestling sucks, actually. Wrestling sucks by Michael Sidgwick. <laughs> yeah. Because the rules of the television angle run contrary to that, where if you hit someone with your finish, you don't go out for three... Point one or two point nine nine nine, and yes, adrenaline's a factor. <laughs> they lie down for ages. Yeah. They lie down for absolutely ages and ages and ages and ages. That is why wrestling sucks because you can take any point that they would argue. Well, adrenaline's a factor, Sitch. but if you go, yeah, adrenaline's a factor. I get it. Like it kills it as well. Yeah. yeah. It? <laughs> so you had to lay there once when someone was it Daniels or someone? They cut like an entire promo. The, the, the pipe bomb. There's the one. The, pipe the most bomb, famous yeah, wrestler as you lay there. There's the thing where you know um, Undertaker and Triple H's WrestleMania 17 brawl. Like Mike Kyoto's like taking an elbow or something. <laughs> yeah. He's got to be out for like 15 minutes while they brawl throughout the crowd. But that's more of a that's a rarity in a matter. Yeah. It's a TV angle that I'm referring to specifically where if you're gonna cut a promo over someone's prone body, they sell for way longer than mm. they ever would yeah. were they to have taken that move at any other time. So it was ridiculous that's where it was out for as long as he was, especially in light of the Texas Death March. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? He's taken so much worse than a crutch to the back of the head. Having said all of that, each individual verbal performance in terms of delivery was fantastic, and I just love getting worked because I knew, obviously, Sean Ross Sapp is incredibly reputable, um, that, well, if he says the ankle's fine, at this point with Sean Ross Sapp, the ankle's fine, you know? And yet, Page still affected this quite incredible limp. I mean, he's an artist, he's a genius, he's amazing at this. I thought, are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> and I thought his delivery was understated enough. And particularly now that he's on the verge of turning heel, if not an outright heel already, he kind of went full babyface with this. It felt like one of those, yeah, I'm sorry, this is real guys, moments as opposed to yes. a bait and switch. So I just enjoy being worked and I got worked here. Yeah. Do you think the peppering in of this real life issue existed for them to make it? feel authentic again because they realise the knee I hope so I don't want to have a personal issue yeah the knee knee injury element of it being a bit blown and then they all of a sudden this detail gets out and you're like oh it's back again maybe that got out on purpose and some thought was put into like keep like our section of fans people watching and listening on the hook because it was effective wasn't it I'd love love that I think that but then at the same time I don't think Paige would want it out there no Mm. maybe not but then again if you're going to put that much thought into preserving the work Think a little bit more about the segment, so you don't need the contrivance and the interruption, I suppose. But I, it's it was this was sold on the performances of 
all the people involved. It was a good night for all three on promos. The Swerve one was the one that stuck out to me the most in terms of the Wikipedia thing. I was thinking about how, like, when he was describing all the things he'd done, and, you know, yeah, he's turning babyface regardless. You sort of go back to Steve Austin in the era where he was, like, breaking Pillman's ankle and then breaking into his house. By the time he was turning babyface, they weren't weren't being mentioned. It was just, he's done all these bad things, but you love him anyway. It's probably best that you'd stop mentioning the swear stuff. If you're gonna, if this babyface character, it, it doesn't have to be a babyface. He can be a tweener who just fans love, but he's still like, too many tweeners in AW. Like a a bad guy, but he just stops doing those bad things. You just so subtly that you don't even really notice it. He's just fighting more heels or something. Probably wise to just stop mentioning them. We've seen them. We remember them. You want to uh, embrace him as a champion, even if he's scary or he's a nasty piece of work. I would just say stop bringing them up. We know they've happened. And I would just say, now, if you're going to strap them up, leave that leave that in the past. It's been enough to build that character up. Otherwise, like, all three were tremendous here. Feels like a big deal, this match. Mm. Even if it's not going to be an event, it feels like... And, it, and it's a three-way, which is atypical for these, like, title matches on pay-per-views. does feel like a, a proper main event, nonetheless. Uh, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson are seen arriving at the arena, saying it's time to clock in. Uh, Renee Paquette asks them about their business meeting with Ric Flair, and uh, Nicholas says, yeah, it went great. And uh, then they, Matthew's asking if Sting's arrived. They want to congratulate him on his last dynamite and conduct his exit interview. They've got baseball bats. Uh, and they go off in search of him. Yeah, there's nothing really to say. It's more to be covered later on in the review. But can I just point out, because we don't really cover Rampage anymore, I really enjoyed the £25 Amazon voucher thing, which was an obvious riff on the Starbucks. Uh, in principle... <sighs> It can be considered a little bit lame. They're both at it on the other shows. Yeah. So you cannot say, oh, it's petty. Mm. They're both doing it. Yeah. They are both doing it. N- they will never get over this. No. N- not neither side will ever get over <laughs> it. Digs okay? forever. <laughs> there was something about the specificity of the $25 that just underscored. Actually, CM Punk's quite cheap. <laughs> yeah, was... here's, here's a 20 bucks uh, Starbucks voucher. Get a latte and a half <laughs> on me. You know what I mean? Dax did a lot of damage with those podcasts, but like that was a kind of underreported bit of it. It's like, what you think you're saying to put this guy over is not what you think you're saying. Have, <laughs> you either have a latte and a half or a latte with a special syrup and a quarter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on me. On the punker. I, I don't really. I had Starbucks at the weekend. I've really, obviously, drink at Good Brews. It's fantastic. Good Brews. The Gateshead Interchange. But when I'm not around the Gateshead Interchange. He loves Good Brews so much. And this is why you should go. This man loves Good Brews so much that we literally have a coffee machine <laughs> installed in the office, complete with milk frother, mm-hmm. where you can make your own latte. I've volunteered to demonstrate how to do that. I have even brought in my own Biscoff syrup. Yes. And he's, and he's just like, nah, Good Brews for me. Yeah. And I can't make him and refuse to learn. <laughs> Every time I mean, like, we were in the stream, he's refuse like, to learn. Into the room. Bloody hell, just water's just come out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I went there over the weekend and I was like, oh, co- coffee and a cake for me, please. How much did, how much they charge for their muffins? Like three quid or something? What's going on? I, 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 I turned into my parents. I was like, Get a box then from Tesco's for that. So don't bother, don't, do not bother. I could be the nicest blue room muffin in the world. I'm not having it. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, he is cheap. Um, right, let's get on with uh, the BCC. <laughs> you might have put $500 on there. Who <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> BCC versus FTR and Eddie Kingston. I know somebody else that we feature on these podcasts sometimes that would come in and ask, what's the deal with the Starbucks prices? 
Hey, anyone else knows this? Seen this? You heard about this? I don't get the obs- people obsession with it. Um, <laughs> what about that? It's a, a dry through Krispy Kreme as well. There. I love Krispy Kreme. I they are too expensive. Bought Krispy Kreme myself. The the actual just simple glazed donut. Shout out Ryan, by the way. Unbelievable. You don't need any more uh, toppings or icings. Nah. I bought a single just a glaze. Tesco's once because it was green. It's a seasonal one. I forget what it was. Might have been Halloween. Might have been. Did spooky. it look like spooky donut? But yeah, it, it didn't look like, particularly vivid. It was luminous. It was like I was I was queuing in that little lunch bit in Tesco's, and there's a they put that Krispy Kreme thing there on purpose because it's like, oh, go on, then I'll treat myself. And normally they are a bit expensive to just buy one. Oh, but it was a mortgageable house. It was luminous green. I was like, yep. Thanks. They had a purple one. So you you're one saying that a man raised on the attire of the new generation mm-hmm. was drawn to a luminous green donut. Crazy, that, isn't it? Yeah. Shout out to Ryan Nicholson, by the way, uh, of What Culture, who regularly brings them in. Nice yeah. donut Here boy. <laughs> right, let's move on and talk about... Oh, yeah, the BCC versus Eddie Kingston and FTR, the six-man that happened ahead of all the matches, of course, at Revolution, which we'll get to. Um, early on, it's a sort of free-for-all that breaks out to take us to our first picture-in-picture. Uh, picture. When we come back, Harwood, Dax Harwood finally makes the hot tag. He runs wild, uh, gets some near falls on. Moxley hits a tiger driver, but Danielson breaks it up and taunts Eddie Kingston, of course. He gets held back by the officials. That allows uh, Claudio to get a cheap, cheap shot in on Harwood. Um, Kingston gets surrounded on the floor. Um, Danielson shoots for a leg. It's a charging low drop kick against the barricade. And uh, Cl- uh, Castagnoli keeps Harwood grounded in the ring as we take another break. Uh, Harwood's been isolated when we come back the entire time. He gets hit with a heart attack and a flying headbutt from uh, Danielson off the top. But uh, Harwood backdrops out of a Moxley pile driver and makes the tag to Kingston, who finally gets in there with Brian Danielson. Chops an exploder for two count. Um, Castagnoli gets the same treatment, but Moxley jumps in, hits his friend with a lariat. Kingston no sold. Uh, he pops straight back up. Uh, John Moxley can't believe it. Big slugfest between the two of them. Danielson flies in, drop kick. Claudio giant swing with the uh, assisted drop kick from Danielson mid revolution. Uh, Moxley hits Kingston with a pile driver. Harwood makes the save. It all breaks down. Uh, Danielson eats the spinning back fist from Kingston and the top rope. Steiner Bulldog from FTR for two. Um, they all pair off. BCC, triple sleepers and hammer and anvil elbows. Um, but they all break free and hit chops uh, to turn the tables. Everyone starts hitting their finishes, but Kingston missed his back fist on Danielson. He hits him with a regal suplex and a busaiku knee. And instead of pinning him, he opts to kick his flipping head in, pours down boots on him, triangle choke, Eddie Kingston passed out. Uh, post-match, Danielson uh, berates Kingston down the lens. Can't wait for Sunday, basically. Love this mostly. We said that. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of pinning a champion in general, but what are titles these days in AEW, sadly? Mm. Um... But the idea that we said is that Danielson is saying to Kingston, to use a football cliche, form is temporary, class is permanent, you beat me one night, biggest night of your life. Mm -hmm. For me, you know, I've had those kinds of nights for the entirety of my storied career. What's the the tweet? It's like such a a 2-1 on your big day out or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. So I did like the pin here. Mm Mm-hmm. And I liked how he came agonizingly close to pinning Brian himself. So you got a glimpse of what you want at Revolution. And then, oh, I don't want that at Revolution. So I thought they measured that really well. I really enjoyed, thought some of it was incredible, the body of this match with two 
notable exceptions that I'll get out of the way. I By get out of the way, I mean talk about for five minutes. <laughs> I think I know what's coming. Right, this was, again, there's a bit on the outside, right, very early where it breaks down. And it's like, oh, it feels a little bit out of control, this. Like a really well done brawl. Like, see, brawls done all the time. This was a really well done brawl on the outside. And then it's pissy, it's violent. I'll get onto Cash Wheeler. Oh, my God. Imminently. Oh, yeah. And then they do this spot where there are submissions applied by each member of the BCC to FTR and Kingston. And there's this really jarring bit of, we've got to do, we've got to hold each other's hands, guys. It's an FTR big match. It's like, stop it. Stop it. It's like, it was such a jarring and unwelcome threat of melodrama. And they didn't even do a good job of it. Like, I thought it was totally a bit off in the context of such a violent, pissy match. And this story as well, you don't need to do that beat in this story. You're not going for this lung-bursting epic. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be a fight and they do that bit where they hold like reaching out for each other's hands. And it just felt like ah, oh, it just felt obligatory. Mm -hmm. And on that word, there was two commercial breaks. Am I correct? Yes. And this is one like every match. There's a certain like some matches in certain style or a certain structure or tone or whatever, you can get away with that second advert break. Like, I remember Danielson Hangman when they went the hour, they did a big action set piece that made every advert and how it slowed down like make sense because you had to sell a life I out I could have watched that. that go two hours. It was so well It was finished. so great. Yeah. It was so well done. An urgent, incredibly pissy, fitful fight like this, when it goes to the second commercial and you have to do that obligatory slowdown, it just really takes me out of this kind of match. I remember as well, maybe it's a trios problem. Can you remember when they first launched that trios title and had all these like incredible would-be dream matches like on TV, United Empire versus the Elite, the first Omega mm. Osprey interaction since that PWG match that I don't think counts. And then you had Death Triangle versus United Empire and all the rest of it. Like it was going so well and just escalating with all this incredible action. Then they did the second one. You were like, ah, oh. so certain matches where the second commercial really kills it. This was one of them for me. But then, you know, it broke down and the near falls and some of the saves were good because some of the wrestlers, particularly Eddie, were, like, clever enough to look like you were completely out. Mm. There was one where Dax went to save, I think it was Kingston, and he was just on the apron. He just nudged He's me. He's, like, slumped. Yes, yeah. yeah, I thought that was really clever. Um, but mostly, this was fantastic. Um, I want to single out, for praise, Cash Wheeler. I've got one more thing to say, but Cash Wheeler. <laughs> there needs to be an investigation into whether... <laughs> into whether John Moxley has committed a crime against the, the Cash Wheeler family. <laughs> Cash Wheeler goes after John Moxley in these matches as if, like, he's killed one of his family. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He just wants to destroy him then and there. As if they're on a highway. Well, shut up, man. I did the think the camera, man. <laughs> I did the pregnant pause, and you've just WWE'd it. Just in case no one got it. That's you, Dr. That's Fed. The That's, the comment That's what you do, Dr. Uh, Fed. Yeah. That is what uh, you do, Dr. Fed. But genuinely, Cash Wheeler does fight John Moxley as if he's committed some absolutely heinous act. Yeah. And I'm so into it. Another thing I liked about this is that Kingston, it's quite layered in a way. Like, Kingston is, like, he hates everyone. <laughs> or, like, he hates a lot of people. Mm. He's got this, uh, relate to him. He's a better man than I could ever be. But I hate a lot of people too. And I hold grudges for longer than I reasonably should. Of the idea that he was distracted 
from Danielson because he hates Claudio so much. <laughs> and then Danielson was laying in wait. That was really cool, Pete. And the last thing I want to put over before Hamlet says it was good, not great, is... Is... go that far. Is... There's something, and they've done this every single time, and it does always descend into, like, the violence you'd expect. There's something almost sweet about whenever... I think they've done three matches across Forbidden Door, uh, all in London, and tonight, away from the singles match at Mm. at their world's end. There's also this really sweet moment where Kingston and Moxley... And they do this on purpose, because it's always, like, near the climax of a match where they clock each other as if to say, how the hell do we end up like this? Yeah. It's always like sweet look, ex- like exchange. Look at us, eh? Not me. <laughs> We've ruined that. <laughs> There's always this like almost sweet, very brief of, how the hell have we ended up on the opposite side of the ring? Oh, well, time to kick each other's ass. I just think they've really paid attention to that, and I want a proper program or a further storyline mm. explanation uh, exploration. Of this, I don't even explain. Um, it's a wrestling storyline, <laughs> and I'm not a child. I can grasp it. An exploration into this dynamic that they have. I'd love them to get back to that. That was the heart of this match, and yeah, it's just point whenever they're together. I, uh, I probably, yeah, maybe did lay it on a bit thick. Your nice little elegant gag, and I over-explained it. Not just for the people in the comment section that didn't get it, but evidently for the people of Huntsville, Alabama, because I was told at the weekend by hundreds and hundreds oh, of don't, people. Don't start with this. That, uh, people buy tickets to watch wrestling matches, but well, uh, they do. Fi- in that building last night, was there? Four hear them. Forty-nine uh, weeks out of the fifty-two. This was a match, right? Uh, Forty-nine weeks that out did as much. Why don't you echo this take on our Sunday? Well, when it. Greatest echoes, greatest so maybe I will. Uh, the, maybe it's a closer analogy, given that it's a pay-per-view. One match is going to die on this card because people are going to be too tired by all the other goaded matches. One will die, and I think it could be FTR, BCC, based on this. I thought this was as effective for uh, Kingston and Danielson as it was. As opposed to all of them dying. As it was. Hey. Or, or, or in the case of Elimination Chamber, none of them. Except the uh, way, yeah, it's, it's a performative uh, atmosphere, isn't it? Four out of four. Five, if you include a talking segment. Uh, what I was going to say, yeah, FTR, you've made this point, so I'm actually going to refer your hair what about, what about the Royal Rumble? What about the Royal Rumble? <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. I said it on multiple podcasts. Yeah. Uh, Fed doesn't hit 100. That's 90. You know? 90's fine. AW, 75. Solid. Shut Solid. up, man. Solid seven. Shut up, man. No, no, no. Did. You made this point, Now I agreed with you at the time. BCC and FTR. Why are you going to bat for the Elimination Chamber? <laughs> so great, isn't it? Like, lovely, lovely Perth. Could you understand great if people were like... I'm not even going to bat for that. I'm going to bat against idiots that, like, watch the Fed and expect AEW. Like, that was... And it yeah. like, works both ways. No, you were right in your point about... We've had a lot of BCC yeah. and FTR, and that hasn't... Pr- like, I love the time limit draw. Yeah. Do that. Do the rematch. That's, like... That's the best kind of match to This needed match. promos. Yeah, like the story was... This probably wasn't much too far as much as I enjoyed it in and of itself. The niggle that set the whole thing up about Mm -hmm. like, oh, how dare you say the best tag team just because you've beat some CMLL guys. We're FTR. Like, we're the tag team to beat, not those. So then you have your match and then you have your draw. That's the perfect match to build a match booking because AEW lionizes time limit draws. These two people or teams can't beat each other so we'll go again and you'll pay for it. This hasn't worked as a build as a result. I was watching this thinking, I've had enough of them. I want more of them. And you're gonna get that, I suppose. I maybe I'm wrong. Like some, so on the pay per view, the quality of Revolution, something will suffer. And I was coming out of this dynamite thinking it'll be that tag. Was it because the, of the quality of everything? Else. Sorry, sorry. What was the name of the building this emanated from? That's a very good question. 
It was a quiet show. It was. Oh, wow. I might have written this down yesterday. We didn't mention it, did we? Uh, the Von Braun Center. The mm, hard. Mm. In English accent, Braun rhymes with porn. All good. The Von Porn Center. Thank you. There you go. Do that. <laughs> Do that. But then, as we've seen on those multiple BBC broadcasts, like when there's porn playing, there's noises getting made. Yeah, yeah. There was none here. <laughs> Uh, we see footage of... So is that the rule going forward, then? We're going to um, mention the crowd heat on every single show about... We no, it's just like a <laughs> in my mentions. Yeah, okay, okay. I'll get out of my system eventually. Yeah, the next uh, Raw show, I'll, uh, I'll make sure that we um, keep a tally. Yeah, it'll be like 2024 if one of them comes on. I'll win that now, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> you do, so one <laughs> thing not to know the month. What about the year? Do you even know where you are? It'll be six weeks for that, Sid. I'll have a long wait. Yeah, six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> don't know where you are. I don't know where I am. Uh, we really tired. We really see. tired this week. Until. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We see footage from CMLL of Chris Jericho in his younger days. Uh, Alan is mentoring, of course. Tonight, I roll back the years later. So. <laughs> Renee's there Sucks, with him. Uh, he said 30 years ago, he's thrown into the deep end with uh, people like Silver King, El Dandy, Atlantis, etc. He wants to repay the favor and teach Atlantis Junior some lessons, including violence, as only Corazon de Leon can do. Huh? <laughs> I'll talk about when I get to the match. Look, uh, it was like it, it was nice, I guess. I I really liked the ending of it, and then, well, uh, <laughs> Tony Giovanni is in the ring, and he brings out Will Ospreay to a huge reaction. He is, of course, officially all elite now. Uh, he thanks everyone for the reception and allowing him to calm down, bro. Finish his obligations in New Japan, but that's all done now. He's been out on a piss on holiday with his missus. Uh, you see it? They lost his his gear, but he's fine. He's got a green jumpsuit like Kermit uh, and he's on leg day um, <laughs> he's behind me really. <laughs> Kermit the frog <laughs> he said 
He's already got wins in AW over Orange Cassidy, Kenny Omega, and of course Chris Jericho. Um, he's ready to pick up where he left off as a member of the Don Callis family, and that of course brings out the Don Callis family. Uh, Callis, Powerhouse Hobbs, Kanosuke Takeshita. Um, he hugs Osprey, smirks at the camera. Um, Callis says there's nothing more he likes than a Callis family reunion. He thanks Osprey for mentioning everything they accomplished together. Uh, and now they're going to top it off by having a match of the decade at Revolution between the Alpha, Konosuke Takeshita, and Will, by God, Osprey. It's going to be like Jordan and Pippin going at it in practice and then winning all those NBA titles. Uh, it doesn't matter who wins at Revolution. The real winner is the Don Callis family. He asks them both to shake hands. They hesitate a little bit, but then they do. And then uh, they do the pulling each other in uh, thing. Uh, crowd's really behind Will Ospreay. He uh, shakes Callis's hand, gives Hobbs a fist bump, and uh, Osprey's left in the ring as the rest of the family leave. A little bit of tension there for the Don Callis family ahead of the uh, the match between the two members of the family, I suppose. But what do you make of That's why they exist. Yeah, it? said all along, they are turning Will Ospreay babyface. He essentially is a babyface. This is a mechanism with which to turn him babyface. I, right, Will Ospreay is quite bad, but he's also undeniable at the same time. Right, and I, I'm trying. I'm going to spend five pretty weird minutes <laughs> trying to get this across. Right, Will Ospreay is an animal. Like Will Ospreay, like in him coming out with that face, that smiling face. God, blimey! It's great. America's fucking great, isn't it? Like he, he basically looked a bit like a geek, and I know that's me saying it. Okay, <laughs> but I'm informed. I'm informed. It takes bigger, really. Takes one to know one. Everything's bigger. <laughs> it takes one to know one. Okay. Picturing one like a tourist bus, like maps the stars homes in like Hollywood. Wow. He didn't. In a weird way, he came off like a superstar and didn't at the same time. A more a humble, workmanlike guy at the same time. Right. His gag when he said, "I know, coming out looking like Kermit the Frog on leg day, bruv." He might as well have welcomed me to Monday Night Raw, <laughs> dot, 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 in 2019. The patter was that criminal. <laughs> Ten seconds before I got out. What's green? It's green. Yeah? I'm in green. Yeah? Uh, right. apart, from, apart from a Maxine Dupree, <laughs> and then he would get in trouble on Twitter again, because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the kind of knacker that he sometimes is. I look like I work at Asda. You just don't get that. <laughs> Walmart? Walmart. Yeah. So Walmart. <laughs> they wear green. Aluminium, uh, you, we call it. <laughs> Pavement, actually. Uh, Coriander. <laughs> Parmesan. Ever heard of it? Anyway. So he's... Beans on toast is nice. He's got pretty bad patter. So have we on the evidence of the last two minutes. <laughs> Disagree. And he's got that smiley... Look at me, Mr. Bean looking off <laughs> at yeah. And he's got that wild-eyed... <laughs> sort of... Pretty geeky smile on his face again. Takes one to no one, yeah. right? And yet, to make a more salient point, please don't interject. I'm trying to go. He looks like if you take away the content, not immaculate by off. He looks and radiates an energy that AEW desperately needs. There were so many people last year in that, and as horrible as of 2023. Who were on socials going, maybe I would like to leave. Well, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> They're like with their cryptic bullshit <laughs> and their fing whinging 
It's never even clever. Maybe I'll play the game. Oh, you mean work for AAA? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how have I decoded that, that one? And their entitlement and their, like, it's a sinking ship. That, I mean, they promoted Wembley Stadium. That was yeah. very much the, yeah, yeah, who are you? I want, to, <laughs> I want to go to cooler new ventures. Yeah. Please, Papa, can, <laughs> can I have a job, please, Paul? You know what I mean? There's a sense of, like, they're not ready to find to take on the Monopoly. They want to join the Monopoly, yeah. some of them. And it was just getting a bit tiresome. AEW, we, t- we take the piss out of that welcome to Monday Night Raw thing because it's kind of lame that you're there for the brand and not for your individual ambitions as an athlete. So maybe I'm a hypocrite by saying this. I think AEW needs a Will Ospreay. Mm. AEW needs someone who's chomping at the bit to be the best in there, who is unbelievably, unabashedly ecstatic to be there. And I think this, I mean, here's a hot take for you guys. I think the consensus best um, critically acclaimed wrestler in the world is probably going to be a good fit for AEW. (laughs) But it's the energy... It's how much that guy visibly wants it. He literally told the silent building to calm down. Yeah, he no. believed they were that excited, yeah. like they're in his own mind. Like he wants this desperately, but not too desperately. I just think he's, yeah. an, he's an absolute animal. I'll get onto the storyline, which I thought was actually, there was a good explanation here momentarily, but I'm trying to tie up this point. It's quite hard. Um, but basically, Will Ospreay treats every single day in that ring, in a building, no matter how many people are there, as if it's his first day on the job and he's desperate to impress. A lot of people say it. In fact, it's a shortcut to get ahead, to get people on side. Will Ospreay just does it. Mm. And it doesn't matter whether you think he is, in fact, the best wrestler in the world, trending towards the best wrestler of all time, or if you think he cynically works 40-minute matches, knowing that that's kind of how you get your asterisks these days. I fall squarely in the middle, if you were interested in my thoughts on Will Ospreay, is that that guy is a complete and utter animal. He doesn't know any of the gear, mm. but I don't drive the highest. Yeah, fifth. Fifth gear, yeah, that's fifth. what. Oh, yeah, sorry. He only knows how to be that intense and how much he wants it. As much as this promo in terms of content was a little bit, we could take the piss out of it. <laughs> right, we could, we could, we, we could. could. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'm in it. My brain just come out my eyeballs. I what are you f-ing saying, bro? Lying on the floor, virtually in a coma. I had that one. Um, everybody, like, even this with its pretty poor jokes, that sort of geeky, bouncy body language and energy. Everyone else needs to watch the watch the hell out because this guy is an animal and he's going to take your spot. He's going to take that number one spot yeah. at AEW. He just is. Mm. He just is. He's going to go on Rampage. It just go absolutely a- <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you want it, you don't want it as much as him and not necessarily to me. Or you can't do it as well as he can yeah. do it, so you haven't got choices. I can that. go yeah. in really either direction. I'm both ends. There's a lot of contrarian people who just don't like Osprey's work. There are people who think he's a wrestling demigod. I flip between the two, quite honestly. No one wants it as much as him. A lot of people don't think anywhere is, anyone is anywhere near his level. If I'm on that AEW roster, it's time to start really working even harder than you were before this guy turned up. The Jordan Pippen line was great. It made sense of it. It has to be a bad faith actor to not have the opinion of, 
yeah, it's a bit weird, but they're making it work. I think that should be the good faith consensus. That was a really good analogy, I thought, from Don mm. Callis. Yeah. Did I make any sense there at all? Yeah, because it's, we've, like, nobody knows yet what kind of weekly TV character Osprey is going to be, but this was the most, I think, effective start because there is a sort of, yeah, there's a humble side there in just how, like, almost starry-eyed he is, but he's hiding that he's, as you say, he's better than everyone. Mm. That can both be the character and it can be what's proven every time he wrestles. So that's an ideal situation to be with Osprey. I was sort of pleasantly surprised by this. I, like, it's because the whole thing is so obvious. You have to bring him in as a baby face. You have to do the split with the Don Callis family. They have to tell you that in advance, this match could be like, this is that Edge Randy Orton greatest match of all time graphic for real. Mm. That's the that's the bar here. And that's what, and Will Ospreay is more than happy with that. And I imagine Takeshita is too, because there's not many times where he's had that platform or not enough times. So they're not <clears throat> scared of that build. They're not scared of Osprey currently having to walk the tightrope. And I think this was as effective as it could have been, ultimately. Like, I, I want to see more of Will Ospreay, and I'm the same as Sidge. I sometimes just can't be arsed with him, and yet can still accept how great some of the stuff is. Here, night one proper, I did want next week's Will Ospreay and the week after's mm. Will Ospreay and the Rampage matches and all that, so I thought this was effective. Yeah. Uh, Renee Paquette's backstage with Eddie Kingston, talking about disrespect he's been shown tonight from uh, Brian Danielson ahead of Sunday. <coughs> the Young Bucks show up, uh, say, we're are we interrupting? Ah, I don't care, says Nicholas. Uh, he scolds Kingston for talking crack, crap last week about him, says he's going to be fined next time. Uh, and Matthew says, sorry about him, uh, but maybe start dressing like a champion. Uh, maybe we're going to implement a dress code in AEW. And they head off to continue their search for Sting whilst Eddie Kingston just stands there and looks at him. That's obviously everybody knows that reference point to WWE in general, but that is, of course, another CM Punk deep cut where the Young Bucks are taken on the position of the dead man. <laughs> because the only Where guy, a shoot. The only guy that was permitted to flout the dress code because he would spoil a gimmick, kid. I'm a dead man. A dead man can't wear a suit. Except they're all buried in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Undertaker was the only guy permitted to Punk, get a goddamn suit on, dressed like a champion. He's like, you're a zombie, man. <laughs> <laughs> so take a buried him in like nine minutes. Kiss my ass. Kiss my ass, you little prick. <laughs> Get those tattoos removed. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just like I did. I'm just like I did. Just like I did. Man enough to get them tattoos removed. Straight edge. How are you going to drink a crate of beer with the boys? Well, that's you f Get that removed. That's you f for the first three years of your career now. God damn, until you I'm learn so... How to, until you learn how to work. <laughs> and by that, I mean do exactly what you're doing. <laughs> At uh, no point at uh, seven five speed. <laughs> Slow it down, yeah. I am so sick of kicking assholes ass. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to be dead man to work here, but it helps. <laughs> Back of the line, punk. <laughs> See you later, guys. <laughs> uh, it was international championship. Now, match. Gallows, I like your big friend. I like him. Looks built for the business. Built for the business. Nice and slow as well. I'm like getting real cane vibes from that guy <laughs> for some reason. He's given cane. <laughs> oh, serving cane. He's serving cane. <laughs> Orange Cassidy versus Nick Wayne for the international title came next. Nick Kane. Shut up, man. Fool me, a dead man. <laughs> yes, I should mention, uh, Nick Wayne's one was at ringside alongside uh, 
Christian Cage, well, at least initially. Um, there's like back and forth. Um, I think Wayne does well for himself. Moonsault off the second rope uh, early on. Cassidy, though, ro- rolls and rolls and rolls uh, out of the way, seemingly to safety. And Nick Wayne just like somersault dive to the floor. Um, they go back inside. Wayne missed a t- uh, top rope double stomp, went for a suplex, but Cassidy fights free. Uh, but in amongst all this, yes, you have the interference, as I mentioned, from Christine Cage. He crotched Cassidy. Um, but eventually, the rest of the patriarchy, Killswitch was there, of course, uh, all get kicked out. That takes us picture in picture. When we come back, Cassidy makes a comeback. Um, he rams Nick Wayne's head into the turnbuckles. Top rope crossbody. Spinning DDT gets two. Uh, Wayne comes back with a nice fisherman suplex. Uh, mocks Cassidy with the kick. So Cassidy just pops her up and fires a super kick. Um, pops her up. <laughs> Wayne counted an orange punch into a German suplex, but Cassidy responded with a two count off the back of a beach break. And then you get all the interference. You had uh, Bennett and Taven appearing to run distraction. Uh, Wayne hit a dragon suplex and got a two count. Then Rocky Romero and Trent show up. They brawl with the kingdom. Wayne takes off the turnbuckle. Uh, Daniel Garcia shows up, though, to distract Nick Wayne, and that allows Cassidy to hit an orange punch and get the one, two, three, and then immediately post-match, Roderick Strong runs in and lays out orange Cassidy and bails before um, Rocky and Trent can get their hands on him. Yeah, I don't want to be too dismissive, but this is fine. Yeah, it was it was, it was, it was fine. It, yeah. it was fine. Nick Wayne, uh, you know. Great, you know I mean, Nick Wayne looked great, like graceful, like kind of breathtaking aerials that really sort of were impactful on the way down. Like, you cannot fault the work at all. There were some really exciting, sort of, like, convoluted sequences. But it was fine, it was fine. Um, question. The It was an international title match, correct? Yes. The kingdom interfered. To what end? Because does it guarantee that if Nick Wayne wins the title, it would be Nick Wayne versus Roddy Strong? Or would it be Orange Cassidy in a rematch? You know what I mean? How could they be so certain? Taven wanted it the other week, didn't he? Well, the international title. Aye, but they're on that. They're obviously, obviously acting on behalf of Roderick Strong. Mm. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Is that like, am I being pedantic there or is it just a little bit? They had to be there because you're an idiot, you see. You're a wrestling fan. Looking at me, dead in the eyes without blinking again. You're, you're a moron. That's how, unfortunately, even the, I would say, marginally more sophisticated professional wrestling company in the United States of America sees you. World Wrestling Entertainment. Shut up. You know for a fact you're wrong on this. Right. Anyway, let me continue. So the idea is the might oh my God. The fans might forget that there's a pay-per-view match between Orange Cassie and Roderick Strong. So I have to remind them through the story, even though there's a match graphic later, even though it kind of makes no sense. <laughs> or it might not make sense for the kingdom to come yeah. out and distract because what if he loses the title? Mm. So that was stupid. Garcia, what they did here was, I'm not saying it was deft, but they kind of they tried to dovetail two mm, yes. and preview two revolution matches at once. You could argue it was a resourceful bit of television and a nice, fun, well-worked match, but there was a stupid decision here, and the finish was a bit there. It's the Orange Cassidy element of this to me. Like they've, they've tried... I can see with the booking they've tried. So they put this match in place six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, whenever it was, ages. This mm. might have to open, you know. He's, I think it's going to open. I think it's going to be it's going to be class as well. But it like, day. it's they put this match in place ages ago, and then I've had Orange Cassidy defend the belt every single week, potentially raising similar questions every single time. Well, where does Roddy Strong fit into this if Cassidy loses? Well, so, it, I, so in their defence, they have been like, you remember they had like meetings with. Uh, was it just Sarah? Someone they had a meeting with, and they were like, "Go out there and beat Orange Cassidy." So they must know 
We'll just whatever happens. Uh, Roderick Strong gets a title shot at the pay. Doesn't matter. Who's yeah, the champion. maybe that's maybe. Well, it's just it's. I think this has really, really failed to recapture that Orange Cassidy is working hurt thing, and I think that's what all the matches have been for. It's really physical matches every single week. While he was barely he was barely cleared last week, if you recall. Yeah, like and now do, he did he do much in the way of selling here. It just hasn't worked. Mm. They're doing the same things last year, assuming it would work by just loading you up with title matches every week, mm. and it hasn't clicked. In anywhere near the same way. You're going in exactly where you were six, seven weeks ago thinking, well, Strong's got to win. And you're not thinking it for kayfabe reasons. You're thinking it because the Undisputed Kingdom is dead if he doesn't. They have to win yes. themselves. But nothing's changed in those six, seven weeks. They've just tried to tell you that Orange Cassidy is banged up again. And it just feels like a pale imitation of mm. last year. Yeah, I've got to agree. Uh, Sige, next we had another utterly pointless backstage promo from the Bang Bang Scissor Gang to set up a match on either Rampage or Collision. You're joking. Not another one? They were like, oh, what was that bloody rap about the other day, Max Caster? See like, what he did on Twitter? What? That said, oh, Sting's AEW official account. Sting's last match. Uh, promotional material for Revolution. Go and order it, guys. Max Caster quote tweeted saying, good riddance. What? So you're playing a baby face on television. To Sting. Like, is, is he, is he, a co- he is beyond help. Is he, I'm sure he's like in his early mid 30s. <laughs> oh, Unless, well, good riddance. It's time to play the game. You, oh, you, oh, how old is Max Caster? Uh, are you looking this up, Nicholas? Okay. Uh, well, he's obviously too old for this carry-on because, I mean, it's funny that he's the only one. It's wild. It's just so out ba- of nowhere. If he was a heel, like, yeah. that'd be unbelievable. Not even as a baby face, it's almost funnier, if that makes any sense. People are going to hate him for that. Yeah. And he's portraying a baby face as things stand on television. I know for a fact, not a fact, because memory can deceive you. <laughs> But I, I'm fairly certain when he's made one of his various other boobs mm-hmm. that people have went, oh, come on, mate, you're 32 or something uh, like that. Okay. So I know that, he's yeah. in his 30s. I know he's not like 24 or something. Well, I've already got my answer down. Yeah, so, so I... We haven't got an official spreadsheet. He's doing... What am I looking at? That's my answer. I've written oh, down. Okay. So no, I can't change it. Like, he's done like extra work for the Fed going back like 2017 or something as well. So he's been kicking around longer than you would think for when he broke through. I'll go 31. 33. I wrote down 29. 29. 31. 33. 33. Two count. Yes. One year off. 33. Thirty-four, and he's yeah, he's he's beyond help. Yeah. Good riddance. <laughs> like the young books have said, good riddance. Smash him about with a bat. Uh, there's going to be a trios match on um, Saturday. It, that's the one that's going to die when they build this trios unification. Oh God, yeah, don't add. 
it's it's going to be awesome. You know I'm over these segments now as well. I thought the odd one or two was like, Dr. Oh, Fed loved him some bang, bang, scissors guy. <laughs> did it first. Catch, like, catchphrases, baby face, Jay White, this is weird. I like this. Austin Belts are still pink. It's the acclaimed and Austin Gunn. We'll preview it tomorrow, I suppose. Well, well, do I have to? Why don't we just preview Revolution instead? Oh, we could do that instead if you prefer. I mean, no one's going to watch this Revolution. as Collision Card. Yeah. No, you had it right this time. <laughs> No, 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 I don't it. even mean it. I just the revolution's gonna be good. Um, <laughs> sorry, Sid. I'm just checking my. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the only women's match on the card. Mm-hmm. It's funny because people told me, "Well, that's that. <laughs> Things have changed last week." Yeah, I told you. Yep. <laughs> uh, it was Chris Statlander versus Sky Blue. Um, <laughs> I really like this. Yeah, me Takes to a break rather than like just. I mean. A dive spot or just a big move. Statlander picked up, blew up the apron, and threw her into the front row. Ruled. That's class. I was like, okay, that's a good. Uh, they fight on the apron. They trade high kicks. Um, Statlander gets over the German suplex. Um, oh, you've got uh, Julia Hart and Willow Nightingale out there as well. And at that point, they go to check on their mates. And then there's the the face off. Um, Sky Blue comes back, drop toe hold on Statlander into the steps. Uh, Blue hit a Canadian destroyer in an inside cradle for a two count when they go back inside. But oh, yeah, yeah. Statlander. Oh, my God. Statlander cut off Blue in the ropes with an iconoclasm, and uh, it's totally other way. It's like, hit with a steel chain. And uh, Nightingale's like, no, don't do that. The ref, ref uh, reprimands Stokely, um, and that allows uh, Julia Hart to hit Statlander with the TBS title. Blue hit to hit the code blue and get the one, two, three. Thought the timing in this match was quite unbelievable, and it elevated it because realistically, if you look at some of the sequences and some of the moves, it's quite a familiar modern match. There was nothing in terms of the content that really stood out. You know, you've got your Germans on the apron, Canadian destroyers. Like You've seen this match before, mm. but I thought the execution and the timing was really, really quite impressive. And I hate to do this when, because I want to put over Sky Blue, I thought this was the best match that I can recall. Mm. Um, certainly the tightest. Um, and obviously I don't want to diminish her job in it because I thought she ended a really good performance. But my God, Chris Statlander is so goddamn great. Chris Statlander... Mm. It was really underrated last year, her TBS title run, where she was just having these like pretty awesome matches and giving everyone their best match. Mm. Uh, it went, went under the radar because she's barely been before, uh, she was rarely sighted before or after. That collision match between Statlander and Britt Baker was like just, that was the best mm. Baker's looked since the last time she was in there with Chris Statlander. Statlander's great. She's got this ability, right, where she can just warp. You know what I mean? Like, she took, barely took a run-up to launch into that back elbow from the turnbuckle. And whenever she had, she never looks like she's just ate, like wandering into someone's offense or just waiting to be hit. It's like she warps into where she needs to be every single time. Like those um, step-up knees from Sky Blue. It, like, it looked like she had a jaw mm. rocked flush in the face. Obviously, it was just really well worked. Um, I thought the finish, for it being a very American TV finish, was again... Timing was key. It was timed really, really well. Um, this just made me sad because my mind works funny. Because when's the next time I'm going to get a Statlander singles match? She should be in the bloody mix. She should be on television mm. most weeks. When we talk about how there should be two Dynamite matches, every other week one of them should have Chris Statlander in it. She's amazing. Yeah, that. But credit to Sky Blue as well. This was a good bit of business, this. And I've been guilty of, in the case of Statlander especially, 
when we're doing that list of how this division is really coming together, it, it can't just be the division. It has to be the second match. It has to be the cre- like the injection of creative for so many of these characters. Statlander's one that I should have been including on that list, and it, she is a little bit too easy to forget about, which, to give credit to AEW, is good that maybe this storyline, this new kind of like relationship with um, Stokely and Stat was featured on Dynamite for the first time because Dynamite and Collision aren't separate and you can bring stories to all shows. And like, maybe I was a bit cynical of that because I think that's weird that it's like a quiet week for Tony Storm and Diana Prazzo, but that story has been effectively told and we're good to go. This hasn't got any pay-per-view ramifications unless something gets added last minute. It hasn't got any, like it's all about learn about these characters if you're not as plugged in with Collision and Rampage and fair enough because like, Statlander should absolutely be in the conversation. Julia Hart's ascension was a, was great, but it couldn't have happened really without Statlander, who she was beating at the time. I, I, same positives. The division's in great, great health, but the job is only half done. It's only half done, and only when it's uh, complete will that AEW women's division hit the big time. Did you put the big timer back on the uh, screen? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was the only women's match Thought on, you'd the get sh- the on the show, uh, Sage. <laughs> I thought you I thought you got the name of Big Business wrong. <laughs> I thought you said something up for Big Business. That's right. Yeah. AW Big Time. Um, Sige, that was the only women's match yep. on the show, though. Yeah, it was. Um, before we get to the correct. name of the game, let's get to the aim of the game. The aim of the game is to uh, uh, identify to the correct hour, minute, and second the first time you hear the first note for the first entrance theme for the first woman to make her entrance for the only women's match on Dynamite, with the idea being that it's always usually in that 120 to 125 uh, range. Uh, and it's a obligatory, it's an afterthought, it's a token. Maybe things are changing, maybe not, who knows. But the idea is that if we can just nail it, <laughs> do that second, it'll really just put into really sharp focus just how much of a piss take. I have to bloody put the birds on these days. That's what they do it for. Mm. And, you know... They are worried that you are going to turn off because of women wrestling. Watch that. They're worried that you're going to turn it off. So they very cynically position this before the main event and to just try and capture their thought process. I've obviously come up with a jingle for this. And this is AEW's thought, press, thought process in jingle form. And it's... Don't worry, guys. <laughs> when the women come out to play, the main event ain't too far away. So that's the aim of the game. Mm-hmm course and uh, the name of the game is well this is ladies night and i'm thinking what a night <laughs> thanks as always to the panda blair himself oh, i hope my children have never <laughs> seen any of it. adam wilson for and jose palomares at the whole 11 who always take care of the um data for this sort of thing mm. uh, Sid, you have our times that we gave on the preview yesterday in Let's run through it in descending, descending order. order. It's, not know, bit, it's not a bit this, you know. Don't know, refuse to learn. Nope. Yep. Um, very there. very close, apparently, this week. No <laughs> s***. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in deep sending order, Adam Wilborn, I don't know you from Adam. Yep. Uh, one hour, 18 minutes, 22 seconds. Moi. One hour, 20 minutes, 34 seconds. I hate people who say moi. Michael Hamflet, one hour, 22 minutes and 10 seconds. I can tell you the uh, first moment, uh, the women's theme, obligatory only women's match, was one hour, 19 minutes 
and 19 seconds, which means I get the points. Right. Move on to two correct guesses this year. By your pubic hair. Hamlet is on two. Sidgwick yet to score, but of course the ladies' night champion of 2023. And plenty of time to pull it back because they're not changing. I'm putting two women's matches on time. <laughs> not regularly anytime soon, let's be honest. Uh, okay, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson um, find the locker room of Sting. Uh, and they well, burst on there first. Yeah, I was thinking that. They burst in, and uh, Sting isn't there. He's just spent his evening hanging baseball bats from the ceiling. They all look a bit confused. Can I just shock you? I quite like this. Me too. <laughs> bats hanging from the ceiling. Bats hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. First of all, the props are great. Not, in retrospect, fairly obvious bit of foreshadowing, except I never in a million years, yes. I never in a million years imagined that they would actually do what they did in the main event. Yeah. But they foreshadowed it. Mm-hmm. And I did like as well that before they knocked on the door, the young books, and I, I hate to invoke these people, but they still haven't learned yet. They don't know how to sell. About knock on the door, uh, kind of took it too far. And did you hear that promo last week? It was really scary. We should be a little bit um, cagey about this. So they sold the threat of Sting. Mm. Uh, then it was time for Lionheart, Chris Jericho versus Atlantis Jr. Skip. Skip, yeah. Uh, he beat him. Um, slapped him in the face when he went for a handshake. Uh, got, got walls of Jericho early on. Atlantis Jr. got to the ropes. In the end, basically, um, some big moves from Atlantis. He ju- ducked the Judas effect uh, and uh, put him in a submission. But Jericho escaped into the Lion Tamer. And in the end, Atlantis Sr. has no choice but to throw in the towel for his son. A little stare down before um, before the uh, before they hug. Atlantis Senior and Jericho. And I watched this and thought, ah, well, at least he hasn't forced his way onto the pay-per-view. It looked a bit tense um, in the post-match between Atlantis and Chris Jericho, but then Chris Jericho said to Atlantis... He said, uh... Atlantis! Hey! Oh, no, sorry. Uh, hey, 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 hey! You all right? Right. <laughs> Can I offer you an egg in this giant... <laughs> You're next... The thing about this match is that the first half was atrocious <laughs> and the second half was respectable and in places good. That's not good enough. If you are, you know, Chris Jericho and you've got this huge salary and you should really go away for, like, reasons that are both... You might be... You're at the very least a creep, probably, but the very least a creep. And f- far more trivial matters... You're not as much of a star as you used to be. Everyone's really bored of your act. You would be much better off going one of your trademark hiatuses and coming back afresh, and maybe people maybe are prepared to watch you again and all the rest of it. Like, the the only word, I'm going to use like probably three minutes more of them, but the first word that comes to mind when I watch a Chris Jericho match is that they have this teetering quality. There's always this... At which point is this going to fall off the rails? What move is going to scare me? What's going to look flat? What's going to... It's just a teetering quality. So on Atlantis Jr., I can understand that if you're like one of these quiet, not particularly great crowds, that his particular work, he, he does some kind of like vintage stuff, mm-hmm. if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah. Like the monkey flip and all the rest of it. Thought early and blame him front of a dead crowd, but his crowd appeals were a little bit desperate, like, come on, come on, come on, I'm doing this. And it didn't really work because you were meant to be wowed by the feats of strength by Atlantis Jr. 
and it's meant to work when your opponent flies across the breadth of the ring, except Chris Jericho ain't as good as bumping as he once was, cleared no distance, just meh, landed like that. So it didn't look particularly impressive. It was a terrifying bit when initially, so they go to the outside, mm-hmm. and there's the ring steps have been moved to, like, the center of mm-hmm. the ring skirt, or, like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Atlantis goes to lift Jericho for the powerbomb. He initially can't get up for it. He just can't. They go again. The spot calls for Jericho to Rana mm-hmm. his way out of the powerbomb predicament and send Atlantis Jr. into the steps, but because he'd already slipped going up for the powerbomb, the reversal just terrified me because mm-hmm. I thought, oh my God, he slipped again. He's going right on his goddamn head. Every single Chris Jericho match, I know he's not been the best athlete for years, and I know that he himself says, I was never fast. Mm-hmm. People confuse me for this Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero-style snap worker because I worked alongside him. He had him. the cruiserweight title and he was nothing like the rest of the yeah, cruiserweights. Yeah. Yeah. He, his argument is, I've not really slowed down because I was never that quick to begin with. Yeah. And he himself has said this, I'm sure, has he? he has a, something he's, like yeah, he's certainly separated himself work-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's like, even the version of that style that he always, he can't do that anymore. There's always one pretty terrifying moment. And then, in the second half of this match, tighten up, mm. to their credit, that Hurricane Rana still looks amazing from Jericho from the top rope at his age. So you can understand, on top of his inherent ego, why he still tries to work this kind of match, but increasingly, it's getting rougher and rougher and rougher. And all of which is a really long-winded way of saying... Four and a quarter stars. <laughs> <laughs> I was all just, I found this a bit, all a bit sad. To be honest, the finish was quite nice. Mm. I think bringing, like, sort of thought, well, if there's a second generation it just one needs here to go away, goddammit. Like, if there's, if Chris Jericho's got experience with someone's dad, why not fold it in, I suppose. But, like, that was just about the only reason, yeah. other than because Jericho asked for this. It felt like the only reason we were watching it, other than the real reason, which is because Jericho wants it. I just, I, I really wish this hadn't been booked. Mm. You can't like you can't spell mimicking the alliance without C M L L. They just lose all the friggin' time at this point. I don't like don't people like were thinking they might save Forbidden Door now that New Japan <laughs> is in the I toilet. I heard that as well. It's like that is optimistic. C M L L again one night, and we're Mexico. not saying C M L L as a promotion isn't on fire. No, doesn't no, promote no. its own great shows. Doesn't to its base promote these really yeah. great ticket selling wrestlers. We're seeing how they've been portrayed in the AEW world. That's not that's not mm. selling the pay per view. I'm not sorry, it just isn't. It's it's one night in Mexico where they'll get the wins back, and we'll yeah. never speak of this again. Sort of thing. I, I assume anyway. They'll be the, they'll be crossover. They've established a working relationship. Aye. Let's talk AW Revolution quickly because um, off the back, well, not off the back of this match, but we subsequently discovered that Meat Madness has sadly been put on ice due to injuries of some of the bigger lads probably that were going to be in that match, and we are now getting. Uh, an all-star scramble match. I want to talk big picture stuff with Revolution in a second. What do you make of the the all-star scramble match? Uh, it's got the Meat Madness lads in it. Wardlow, Powerhouse, Hobbs, and Lance Archer. you got Hook, Brian Cage, Chris Jericho, and I'm not going to say any more because some of the stuff's been spoiled on Wikipedia. I can already see this qualifiers on uh, Rampage and Collision. I really prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> but So it's said on Twitter that... Uh, some of the yet-to-be-named participants have been medically disqualified, therefore I'm not going to do Meat Madness. So the three announced names are in this one, 
you're telling me that everyone who's like at that 300 pound, 280 pound, or at the wrestling weights anyway, is just all of them have been medically disqualified. I, I don't know, it just seems a bit weird. Um, I, I was really excited about that match. I'm glad Tony Khan is talking in terms of postponement and that he wants to do something like it again. Um, this is desperate stuff, this eight-man scramble. It's, I want to get some people on a card, and uh, it's, what else is Chris Jericho going to do? I was really worried on the preview yesterday, we talked about um, the potential for this Chris Jericho versus Atlantis Jr. match acting as a backdrop for some angle or other to get him on the Revolution card. It's the best compromise if Jericho needs to be on the card. He doesn't in that he's not eating into it because he's basically going to be in a match that's replacing an existing match, mm. realistically. But this, this all-star scramble, ironic that they're calling it a star because we know that Chris Jericho has never felt less like a star in the world of AEW. Um, it's a, It feels like a pretty desperate fall from grace for him. Surely this has got to be so much worse for his brand than being... One of the mid-carders who isn't Wardlow, i.e. one of the people who isn't winning in a multi-man match with no build that exists to put some people on the card. This is Chris Jericho. Like, you know what I mean? Chris Jericho's match with Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 12 was instrumental in the formation of this company. Genuinely, it was. And now he's like... I described that on Twitter as this might be harsh, but you know when... Yeah, it's half eight at night. You've just finished your tea. Do the washing up. Kids are just being put to bed. I'm too tired to do anything else. I saw it in the morning. The bin's full. Mm-hmm. And there's one bit of trash that you think, ah, uh, I'm making it harder for myself, right? Because I know that if I try and put this last bit of rubbish on top of the bin, right, then it's going to potentially split the bag when oh, I take it out. Yep. And I'm going to have to do this kind of procedure where I put the bag over and then put the the what's called the drum upside down, and I, I would rather do that tomorrow than do that tonight, right? It's just so uh, like shoehorned, just stuffed where it just it doesn't need to do that. That's what this match is yeah. on this card. That's what this match is. It's going to be what some TV defense. Maybe they'll use it to revisit Hook versus Samoa Joe. And that's another additional worry about the All-Star Scramble is that they could telegraph the world title match with the winner. Mm. In some ways, I hope the, the three-way goes first. If it's Hook winning this, I'm a little it's bit Joe. more optimistic. If it's Wardlow winning this, it's Joe. Um, I don't know. They did this at All Out 2020. Remember when Lance Archer won the yes. Casino Battle Royale, yeah. and it's like, is Lance Archer versus MGF ever going to happen in a million years with the characters being as they are? No. All right, John Mox is winning the main event then. It's got a lot of shades of that. I could see Wardlow winning, but to hold on to the shot for a while, and then you, by the time you get there, let's say double or nothing, it's like facilitates MGF's return or something. Like, Wardlow's been built to the point where he's got this shot, he's this... Wardlow and Joe have got anti-chemistry. Oh, yeah, but I'd want Wardlow and Swerve. You know, like That's not a main event match. Uh, not in a million years. No, maybe not. Not when you've got Okada, Osprey. All right, well, yeah. The bar's, the being, ga- raised. The bar's the, being raised. Yeah, it? Yeah. it is. Uh, but with regards to Revolution, you've said yourself, in, this has been one of the best builds they've done in a long, long time. And this card looks ridiculous. Well. It's time to play the game! Time to play the game. 
Let's go match by match and count for excited or not excited. And I try and drill into how good has this build been, right? Because there's a lot of amorphous talk of feeling. A lot of it's not show, don't tell. A lot of people really want this to be bigger and louder and better and more back than it actually is, right? So go through the Wikipedia and we'll go briefly match by match just to see how much work has actually been done and how big this really is. And if it's not just the Sting awesome stuff, pretty much carrying the load here. I'll go in ascending order. Okay. I don't know if that means main event first or not. Yeah, I'll, I'll start the bottom. All-star scramble. Uh, Jericho, Wardlow, Powerhouse, Hobbs, Lance Archer, Hook, Brian Cage, and two mystery veterans. It's... I understand why this has been booked, and I'm apprehensive to say I can't, I can't be asked with it personally. It's impossible to screw up an action-heavy, urgent, one-fall-to-a-finish, multi-man scramble. So it's a guarantee of a good match, dot, dot, dot. However, that's the exact problem we had with the builds last year, so... Mm, cross instead of a tick? How are we doing yep. this? Mm. Not bothered. FTR, BCC. I've really enjoyed this. I think if you're going to have top names on the undercard, the stacked roster, it's a compromise you have to make because you've made a rod for your own back by expanding the roster so aggressively. Yes, I understand Hamlet's point that this was one match too far in a program that's been built by matches and matches and matches. But I think it's a clever marketing thing here. There are AEW fans who got bored of the melodrama, the sports entertainment direction. It's a catch-all. And there are people who just love in-ring stuff and don't care if there's promos or angles or whatever. For that portion of the audience, they've done a great job of building the tension between Cash Wheeler and John Moxley, mm. spinning off from the finish of the um, Dax Harwood versus uh, John Moxley match. There's a stated reason for this to actually exist. It's fleshing out a tag team division that could really start to, I hate the word, we use it ironically, cook deeper into 2024. I really like the action. I'm bang into this. Yeah, I'd, like, I tend to agree. In, like, in spite of the sort of comments before, it, I like that there's been a build nonetheless. Like this for the tag division is what you should be given the women's division if you consider the amount of talent that's available. It's a match that, like, just because there's no belts in it right now, clearly both these teams want to win it in order to get back in contention. So it feels like there's, there, well, there is stakes because there should be stakes when wins and losses matter with rankings and stuff. So yeah. TNT title, Christian Cage versus Daniel Goss. I, I absolutely love it. And I've been wrong footed mm. thinking it was another Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage match. What I love specifically about this is not just the revelation of poor goddamn Daniel Garcia growing up, Christian Cage pointing out what happened to him in his just delectably cruel fashion, but it's not completely out of nowhere and it's not quite tell don't show oh right there's too many ex-WWE guys or whatever or people are worried about the future let's pick the best 26 year old in the company they've built Garcia yeah from the start of the Continental Classic which they booked out well in advance to build his audience investment to build how over he's getting he got a really good quarter relative to collision standards granted um, in the trios match mm -hmm. which he was the centerpiece and they've done an incredible job, really, of rehabbing him, building him back up. And he's a he's been a great babyface. I'd describe him as having that Bret Hart quality, where he's not this ostentatious, flamboyant catchphrase guy. But you just believe him and you really like him. And he fights for the right things. And he's just got this quality of mm. a decent, good human being. And 
what a character contrast with him and that arsehole, Christian Cage. <laughs> I loved the build for this. You weren't in for the review, but did you catch up on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's class, really isn't he? Smart, yeah. Really good. Uh, yeah, I love the fact that I can't work out what Adam Copeland's going to do, but even if he tries to help and fails... He's going to wear a motorcycle helmet in that building. Just as good for the like the like everything else still to come, so yeah. Osprey to Kester. Again, I think the Pippin-Jordan line was great. They've done the best possible way of articulating why the match has happened, even if the match happening is a bit flawed. It's certainly done more to establish the Callis family than literally anything since they've formed. Um, it's a vehicle to turn Will Ospreay babyface. Sometimes it is about match graphics on an undercard like this. Sometimes it is about match graphics. Like, Park Orange Cassidy was a match graphic, and they yeah. told their story, really, after that first match took place. If you want a dream match on your pay-per-view, this fits the billing and then some. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, Eddie Kingston, Brian Danielson for the Continental Crown slash Danielson shaking Eddie Kingston's hand. I thought this has been absolutely fantastic. We've talked about it on this podcast, the idea that form is temporary, class is permanent, and Danielson is telling Kingston this, or potentially himself this, worrying about what's his legacy going to be? How good am I if I can't even win a title and I'm meant to be this great? The subplots of this have been fantastic and going after the former Triple Crown winners who happen to be Eddie Kingston's heroes mm. that had the disrespect angle. When people talk about how Danielson's going to be the creative mind, people forget he was sort of put into that room twice in two different companies during those two different companies' worst ever periods. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In AEW, there was, there was talk that Danielson was, you know, in the room in 2023. What did that do? This is evidence that this guy can book mm. because this has been really, really great. I love the build. I, it's a little bit of a self-own that the handshake feels more prestigious than the Continental Crown, but I think that's down to how much you love Eddie Kingston and understand how his brain works. I don't think that's necessarily the fault of the belts. It's the fact that you know the character of Eddie Kingston so well that even though he's now got this, he sold you on needing that handshake even more. This is the man that wanted to take the belts home to Ruthie. You can't take a handshake home to her. And yeah. yet you feel like he's got to get that vindication. Mm. Such a great story. It's such like, a great device. Economical as well. Like when so much of AW is about excess. Yeah. They've just been like really neat and tidy. They've been really the neat and tidy with this. It's subtle. They've slow burned to the big angle on collision last week. What's really especially clever about this is that it can sometimes take years to solidify someone as someone with staying power, someone who's on that level of like one of the all-time top stars in a promotion or an era or whatever. The way they've told the story is that Eddie Kingston has two wins to become that guy. He just has to beat Danielson twice to prove that it wasn't a fluke and now he beat Danielson twice. And Danielson's done a lot of jobs as well. Yeah. There's a good bit of working behind the story that I've been really keen on as well. Timeless Tony Storm, Deanna Brazzo for the AW Women's title. A level of thought that has escaped virtually every <laughs> yes. single women's storyline ever. I'll let Hamfler talk more about this because I know it's his most anticipated match. Yeah, I cannot wait for this. Um, I genuinely look forward to seeing Diana Parazzo on a stage where she's... Like, they've told you in wrestling that it's been this big before, but in Impact it, it isn't. That's the reality of it, yeah. whether it's because the building's small or in some cases in the pandemic, empty. Diana Parazzo was at her best in the big matches. That's how she developed this reputation beyond just good to being great in the most difficult of circumstances. So if anything, this is almost as much a reward as it is an opportunity for a Parazzo. I think she will lose, but it's all going to be about the match quality. It's all about how does Parazzo in defeat keep herself in the conversation amongst all the other talent that this division suddenly has. Um, timing is unfortunate in reality because the 
like shadow of Mercedes Manet looms over this yeah, one realistically. Yeah. And that's a bit unfortunate because the story has earned a big night for both. Um, I'm certain it's going to be Tony Storm's best match in the gimmick so far. And it's not just because of the, the talent of the two wrestlers. It's because of the creative and it's because of the, the proof if proof be need be, <laughs> that if you just actually give these characters something meaningful, they will deliver, and they will deliver over and over again. It's sh- like, this is as much showing AW what it sh- should have been doing all along as it is giving the women the platform they deserve. I don't worry about where this goes on the card. I don't worry about other matches potentially stealing the show from underneath it. I honestly cannot wait for this. And yeah, Tony Storms, for as much as that character is that character, this is the unfussiest her character's felt in a wrestling context yet, and I, I love that for her because of all she's put in to make it work. Orange Cassidy versus Roddy Strong for the international title. Uh, no, this has been a bit of a fail for me. The match will be good. Again, that describes 98% of AEW pay-per-view matches. I was really looking forward to this because they set the stall out early and said this match is going to happen. And I kind of accepted that as an invitation to strap in. It's like, right, tell me the story. And it's been a diminished return mm. of the Cassidy's bodies falling apart stuff. Um, like a lot of unnecessary international title matches with totally predictable results. Um, the Valentine's Day week was an aberration. I mean, that was incredible with Matt Taven. Yeah. Um, but even then, that's giving gauntlet. And we've seen <laughs> enough of that from AEW. So, I mean, the match will be class, but I've not really liked the story. You're at five, what, five and two now, probably? Yeah, yeah. Positives and negatives. Uh, Samojo, Hangman Page, Swerve, World Title. It's had its uh, weird choices. <laughs> and I don't know, if to be generous, right? Maybe I am being a bit generous. The It's really difficult to build a three-way match. It's <laughs> really difficult to do that. I think they've had a good, ambitious stab at it. You gonna say something? Well, oh, I was gonna say, having said that, I, I'm confident Swerve's going to win, but I wouldn't put my house on it. It's one Who's of the more <laughs> it's one of the more unpredictable AEW world title matches. Yeah. That's got in its favour. You could pick apart the logic and the decision making of the story and the characters respectively with this one. Um it's one of the better three ways builds. But three-way builds, by definition, are usually quite awful. Um, a, a score draw for me. Yeah, I, again, I think this is pendant swerve winning. I think I, I do think this is an okay score. Conditional goaded. Conditional goaded. <laughs> we described in the office before realizing With what's, what's happened to the way we talk. Yes. So I was go, I was doing a very quick detour. Did a very, uh, I did an article, you can still read it on whatculture.com slash WWE entitled The Disturbing Truth Behind the WrestleMania Main Event where I did a qualitative qualitative assessment. How many really good or worthy WrestleMania Main Events have there been? And it's like 50-50. One in every two WrestleMania Main Events was bad. I'm sorry, Michael Hamflet, Dr. Fed. He agreed with me because I was like, right, am I being too cynical or am I using confirmation bias to like, engineer a point so i was like hamlet uh this match good bad whatever uh, we came around about the same yeah weren't many pretty much exactly the same we were talking about wrestlemania 39 and it was like well that code like obviously night one mm-hmm. feel good great tag team main event pretty perfect to be honest yeah. so that got taken the, the old win column then we were talking about Cody and Roman it was like I could have honestly watched them wrestle for four hours yeah. I can't remember the last time I was truly locked into mm. a match like that irrespective of promotion 
I thought the way they paced it and worked it was just majestic. But then he had that finish. It wasn't just the result. I thought the finish was actively bad. And me and Hamflet came to the conclusion that if they pay off the story at Wrestle and finish the story at WrestleMania 40, in retrospect, <laughs> it will be double goated for nights one and night two, but right now it's only conditional double goated. And we're like, we just all we said it together. And we're like, yeah, I think we're right. We're, we're, we're writers for a living. Yeah, we're, we're 38 year old British white podcasting writers. Conditional double goated. We were so pleased with ourselves. And it's conditional like, conditional double goated is very good. The room reeked of smugness. And we were like, yes. Mm. Conditional double Yeah, yeah. We aren't weird. <laughs> uh, finally, of course, Sting, Darby Allen versus Young Bucks for the tag titles. I hate to be incredibly unprofessional. I have to race out of this studio yes. to uh, pick up my children from school. So I'll just say on this one, good riddance. <laughs> now, <laughs> Sting and Darby Allen win the belts. It's going to be super emotional. Let's leave because in the building. See you later. See you later, See you later guys. Uh, Ric Flair vibes aside, mm -hmm. I was quite generous to it, but subjectively, that Darby Allen promo, but it was quite weird where... In hindsight, when he's looking at the books with Sting's blood on their jackets, and he goes into this big exposition-laden soliloquy with a worked shoot bent about, you know, the Cali click. Mm. It's like, just dive at them. They've tried to kill your dad, mm -hmm. basically. They spilled your own blood. Um, other than that aside, it's been an incredibly entertaining and effective classic professional wrestling story where this arsehole heel, or arsehole heels in this instant, spill the blood of a vengeful badass babyface and realize, uh, you've really made a mistake here. And you've got the emotional weight, you've got the detail work with the foreshadowing with the bats on the ceiling, wearing the white suits well in advance mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of the blood heavy juice territory angle, where it wasn't like they've turned up in white suits for that purpose. They've hidden the purpose of why they're wearing white suits in particular, detail, emotional heft, how much it's... This could save the Young Bucks' career as emphatically as it ends Sting's, right? Considering where the Young Bucks were in 2023, yeah. you could make the argument that if you consider, and I think this is unanimous, the top two stories in AEW history are Page Omega, Punk MJF. Mm -hmm. This is right below that stratosphere. So that's what, 6-3? Yeah, I'd say so. Arguably, you could make a push to seven, too. Yeah, I mean, I think this has been genuinely the best build since Revolution 2022. I would argue that you need two more pay-per-view builds of this quality, of this caliber, for people to think, you know what, it's back. If I was the kind of punter who was in two minds about buying a ticket for one of these TV shows, nah, I'm going. Yeah, this comp this promotion's back needs to consistently hit this level to regain that trust. Let's talk the main event of Dynamite though, okay. um, because the Young Bucks come out. They got the baseball bats. They get in the faces of fans and they're flipping sting masks off people who are just in the front row. Except one guy takes off the sting mask himself and reveals himself to be Darby Allen. It's the last time you'll see that bit, unless they do it a revolution. I was like, ah, oh. yeah. Um, he jumps the books, um, but of course, eventually the numbers game catches back up to him. Uh, Matthew, I think it was, hit him with a super kick. Um, Nicholas and Matthew use their bats in the ring to take him out. They hit an EVP trigger, and then they signal to the back, and here comes Ric Flair. He takes a baseball bat from Matthew, but instead he just pokes Nicholas in the eye. He punches Matthew. He beats him up a bit, but um, Nicholas low blows Flair, uh, and they put the, they put the boots to Ric Flair to the books before Sting's big entrance finally hits. So the books 
start walking up the ramp to cut him off. They've got their baseball bats. They're ready. They're waiting for him. But Sting comes down. He's lowered from the rafters. Oh, my God. Quite right. Um, and the books turn around to suddenly realize, oh, it's beyond me. No, it's beyond me, So they, uh, they good charge at him. He hits, it's like the noise of the two bats like dinging off each other. But yeah, he nails them with baseball sh- shots of his own. Darby Allen flies off the top uh, with a coffin drop. Sting drops, I think it was Nicholas, uh, with a scorpion death drop. And Sting, Darby Allen, and Ric Flair stand towards the book's head off and say they've got a nice severance package for Sting on Sunday. Well, let's just take Ric Flair out of it. Mm. The worst thing about Ric Flair being in it is Ric Flair is Ric Flair a creep. Because realistically, what a babyface master plan. Mm. You're the baby. If you're the young bucks, right, and you've got grumpy Wick Flair <laughs> coming into your dressing room complaining that he hasn't had enough of the spotlight, and maybe in a jealous rage, he'll turn on Sting and they could come to some kind of business arrangement. Literally, if you're the young bucks, you're thinking that's the most believable pitch we've ever had as businessmen. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, Ric Flair, who needs the spotlight like an infant needs milk. <laughs> It's going to have a little mod about this. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a, it was a really good swerve. It's a really good babyface master plan. Really good bit of booking. It's a shame who the subject of the booking was. And his peak down looked like complete ass as well. <laughs> Obviously it did. I, I wonder if he still has a role to play at the Revolution match or this was his, this I was the that. Ric Flair thing because he can't do anything in there. Sentiment, more than any other match maybe in AEW history. If the work's not that great, people won't care. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if it was. And it probably will be Nick Jackson. You know, they're all great in the different ways. Sting, hopefully this is Ric Flair's thing, and now he can just not be involved. But that's probably pie in the sky thinking. So away from Sting, this is just magic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The last time you're going to see the bit where there's the face reveal, that was great. Just the idea of like, I just, I didn't know where he's going to come from. Right, it just never occurred to me that they would do the rafters thing. Mm. It just didn't occur to me. So when they walked up the ramp, I was like, where's he going to come from? He's obviously coming out. Um, I was looking at the entrance. Like I was so well worked, much like I was in the POV of the Young Bucks. So I was thinking, right, right hang on, that's all, those screens are really big. Mm-hmm. Uh, are really big. And I was like, I thought, are they going to mirror, remember the start of the Forbidden Door match, where the... Was it the Bullet Club with mm. the Bucks and El Fantasmo made that entrance? And they were like, well, that's Sting. And he just came from the tunnel and just jumped on them. Yeah. I was like, are they going to do that again? No. Those LED screens are <laughs> 30 f- Where's? Yeah. And I was just thinking, where's Sting? Yeah. Where's my Sting? <laughs> I'm going to tie that bit. Oh, okay. F- Mr. Phoenix. Um, so I was thinking, where's Sting? Where is Sting? And uh, he's in the rafters. Oh, my God. Yeah. The guy looked like he was, what, how old would he have been back then? And 30 years old or whatever, or 34 years old, or however. Where, the paint obviously helps. Yes. The presentation, the way they've booked him, it all helps. And he's going to look 30 and 65 all at once on Sunday, and it's going to be a range of emotions. But that was just one of the coolest things you're ever likely to see. Classic dynamite moment, paying homage to vintage WCW Nitro. That, did they have to do it one more time? If they never did it, I'd be like, of course, they're not going to do that, you know, for, for obvious reasons. But now that it all went safely, I'm so glad they did. Yes. Because that was just like, how can you not feel like you're 13 years old, 14 years old watching that, you know? 
Yeah, we were saying in previous weeks, especially when they did the beatdown to Sting and his kids and what have you, that, I mean, wouldn't have made sense, really, because you want to give the crowds what they pay to see. But you were like, well, that could be it. That could be the last time we see him on telly to say, well, this big return happens, his big farewell match at the Pape. By God, I'm glad that happened Yeah, uh, on telly. And, uh, yeah, you've seen it shared everywhere, obviously, and look at the people's reactions to it as if... I mean, they don't need to sell any more tickets to them. I think pretty, pretty much sold out I don't already. think they can sell any more yeah. tickets. Apparently, I think Tony Schiavone said this on what happened when they, they can't even comp. No. Obviously, they've done a lot of comping over the past, what, yeah. 12 months at least, but they, they're not even comping Revolution because they could sell the tickets. Great, yeah, just a great ending to, to sell you on, on Sunday. And, and, and me and uh, Hamlet recorded a predictions video just before we came in here. Like, everything's telling my brain, Young Bucks have to win. It's the Young Bucks. They've just turned heel dead. Carry on as tag champions, but that the warm feeling that I got from that was just like, oh, let him win in his last match in Greensboro. Yeah, the fact that they didn't do a heavy heat angle again, it's time, yeah. it's time. Uh, but let us know your thoughts on dynamites and your thoughts as we head towards uh, revolution, of course. Uh, either in the comment section below or on X at What Culture WWE. Watch there, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamfler at Michael Hamflet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. And you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. And uh, you can follow our brilliant producer at It's Adam Nicholas. But make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, me and Sid will be back tomorrow to either preview Rampage or preview uh, Revolution. We haven't decided which one yet. Um, but we'll be back tomorrow to talk more AW. And of course, we will be back on Monday. At Fingers crossed, all going well. Live on YouTube on Monday to review AEW Revolution. But for now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet, to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.